1: You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm
2: Ken. And I'm Mary. And this is the Earn and Invest Podcast.
1: Financial joy. It's an odd concept, almost counterintuitive. When I was in the midst of soul-crushing burnout in my medical practice, I felt immense joy in the idea of financial independence and quitting my stressful job. That joy pushed me to accumulate as much money as fast as possible. But something funny happened once I reached the top of the mountain. Financially free and poised to leave my loathsome career, a new sense of panic overtook me. The joy was gone. Or better yet, maybe it had never really been there. You see, Although I was escaping from what I didn't like, the sense of happiness was a mirage. I had no inkling what true joy really looked like. I had all the money I really ever needed, but had no idea what using that money to build joy, contentment, or happiness was all about. Do you? Are you using your time, energy, resources, or even money to seek out joy? Should you be? Ken and Mary Okorafor are the founders of The Humble Penny, a platform that helps people learn to take control of their finances and develop healthy money habits. They transformed their lives as a young couple who started out as immigrants with little money to financially independent and mortgage-free from the age of 34. Ken and Mary, welcome to Earn and Invest. Ken, I want to start with you. You say your core mission at The Humble Penny is to help at least 10,000 families and single people achieve financial independence this decade. How did you come up with that?
0: One of the big things we noticed when we started to... Festival started as a blog with the Humble Penny. And a couple of years later, we started to create on a YouTube platform. One thing we noticed was that a lot of people kept asking us for help. So people would reach out to us. Can you be my mentor? Can you guide me financially? Uh I like I like financial literacy. Can you help me out? There's so many people. And so what Mary and I thought, my wife Mary and I thought was how could we actually um help many people as as much as possible beyond what we already do via our blog and our YouTube channel channel? How can we actually do it, but at a really cost-effective level? Hmm. Yeah. So this is where this whole idea of how many people do we want to help. Tangibly beyond what we already offer for free, how many people do we want to help, and and why do we want to do that? So we figured that the goal of financial independence is one that's really worth going for because it has it changed our lives. Um, But then we wanted to put a number on it. We wanted to to really commit because commitment for us is a big deal. Mary and I have been married for more than eleven years, and so we see committing to something and making it a mission a really important part of the journey. So we chose a number. But then started thinking about how do we use today's technology to really help people change their behaviors, change their habits over time, and help them actually take action and gradually work towards this humongous goal one day of becoming financially independent. So that's where that idea actually came from.
1: Mary, tell us about the name of the platform. As I hear Ken talk, I'm starting to understand kind of the humility of your goals. Talk about calling yourselves the humble penny.
2: For us, the penny um, represents humility because it doesn't immediately have perceived wealth. Uh, If you saw the penny on the floor or a cent on the floor, you probably wouldn't pick it up. But when taken care of, when that penny is taken care of and placed in the right environment, that penny then grows. And due to the power of compounding, you then won't have to trade your time for money as much. And, you know, for us, the penny also signifies um, the importance of small beginnings. So we are both people of faith. And we start, when we started the blog, we were brainstorming um, names to call, you know, the humble penny started off as a blog and we were brainstorming some names and and Ken really wanted something uh, from the Bible. So I guess that name, humble penny, literally was inspiration that I got from um, the Bible. Because we also believe that we are stewards of money. Yeah. Yeah? And when you make good um, choices, when you you make better choices, when it comes from a place of humility, because you don't feel like you have to live up to, you know, the Joneses or live above your means. It helps you to be content and and have come from a place of gratitude when, yeah, when you think about your, where you are in, in a place of humility.
1: Yeah. I love this image of a mountain of money comes from a single humble penny. Um, It's just what I was thinking of as you were describing that. Ken, let's talk about you and Mary. You describe yourselves as millennials, migrants, and minorities. Describe how these realities influenced your financial path.
0: When we were thinking about who we wanted to speak to when it came to creating the Humble Penny, um, I noticed that there wasn't really much about people who looked like us. So there weren't really voices talking about money from the perspective of uh, uh, young immigrant people or immigrant families who have children. I thought, well, actually, if we had to start to share something about money and share about our journey, it would be helpful to actually try and speak to the people who um, we feel we can relate to Norm, you know from an everyday perspective, although you know when we go to work we work with all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, but I felt that there was comfort in beginning with what I already knew, and I actually was actually really scared to be honest, doing this because I feared being judged a lot, you know, and but i felt I felt there was a desperate need to start to talk about money. From our perspective, because there's so much about the journey, particularly the cultural dimensions to becoming financially independent, that you don't often hear about. There's certain cultural aspects that either uh, hinder, even hinder people uh, from, you know, taking the necessary leaps or doing things that might seem ordin- ordinary, like ordinary, like being able to increase your savings rate. For some people, they can't just do that because there are certain cultural dimensions. They mean that they have to support family members and things like that. So I wanted to begin that conversation by really pointing out that there are other people in the room. You know, there are other groups that are often overlooked. um, And those voices needed to be heard in this bigger picture of, you know, creating your ideal financial life.
1: I'm interested, Ken, in... If you were speaking to these issues because you were speaking to these people who directly were going through what you were going through, or was it the other way around and you felt like the finance community as a whole needed to hear some of these voices that maybe weren't getting as much play?
0: It's both, uh, actually, because first of all, I felt the finance community needed to hear from other voices, other diverse voices, people who bring... Um, a different level of richness to the experience and to the conversation around uh, money and personal finances and stuff like that. But at the same time, I wanted to connect with people who I felt I identified with naturally by virtue of my background and my my unique journey uh, together with my wife, you know, to try and create better life, having come from kind of immigrant roots.
1: Mary, in a moment, we're going to talk about financial joy, because I think it's such an interesting concept. But before we do, tell us a little bit about your journey. Specifically, you were financially independent by 34. That is not common, right? That's a pretty (laughs) young age. So I know you're out there teaching people about finances, but describe for us your journey. How did you get there so quickly?
2: Ken and I, um, just to give you some context, we actually met at a property investment seminar in 2009. So we were in our kind of close to late 20s. And after a few of, a few weeks of us talking, we started dating. Um, and one important thing about us meeting there is that it became very clear to us that we both had similar mindset goals. Um, they, were, they were quite similar. And so in 2009, the end of 2009 we officially set off together on our financial independence journey together knowing why we both wanted to get there how we wanted to and knowing that it would not only change our lives but also the lives of our children mm-hmm. by creating generational wealth and so practically um, what we did was we focused on simplifying our lifestyle so what I mean by that is you know shopping at the ch- cheaper supermarkets for example such as Audi instead of Sainsbury's and doing that helped us to reduce our living costs massively. Um, We started investing in the stock market properly in 2010, and a mixture of individual stocks and initially, and then we then started to invest in index funds and ETFs. Um, we bought a very affordable house and that we focused on paying off our mortgage early and we did it in seven years and this further dropped our costs. Um, also we worked a lot on our careers, career maximization, which helped to increase our incomes. And we also, as our income, as our income increased, we didn't increase our lifestyle. It kind of stayed the same, which helped with our savings, with our savings rate. Um, We also took risks. So we created a nursery business and we did this with family members and run it together. We own a part of it, but we don't actually run it day to day. Although I did at first, I I was doing it for seven years before leaving it and working on the Humble Penny full time. Um, And finally, we just invested in other income generating assets such as property. And Mary, how did you
1: know when you were financially independent? How did you define it for yourself?
2: So for us, um, one key thing for us was that we wanted to pay off our mortgage. And we also had our number, (laughs) which so we were constantly tracking our net worth. And when we got to that point where we were happy with, I guess, the amount of assets that we had and the fact that we had paid off our mortgage, we were quite happy to say, look, this is our, we're quite happy to to, to be financially independent in this stage.
0: One thing that really, clarify this for us was initially we focused on just using a very simple calculation which is the four percent rule that many people many people reference uh, and that gave us a, a broad picture of what the number could look like for us but that needed tweaking over time because you know we've got a family and you know we've got um we were going via a different pathway entirely by paying off our home and things like that, which materially reduced our ongoing living expenses. So the more clear definition for us was focusing on how could we get our assets that we have to cover our monthly expenses. So to Mary's point earlier about reducing expenses, getting rid of housing costs was a huge one. It represented a huge part of our monthly expenses Obviously, lifestyle simplification would help us a great deal with that, like changing cars. We used to drive an Audi. Oh, we got yes. rid of that. bought, You know, a 2013 Nissan Leaf.
2: Electric, electric.
0: We Electric, you, yeah. know, you know, so many things like that to the point where Mary and I started relying on one salary. So we would re- rely on Mary's income and then a lot of my income, which was uh, I used to work as a chief financial officer in the city of London. A lot of that income was then being used to overpay on our mortgage or invest in a stock market, or explore other assets that we could invest in. So the better definition then became, well, actually, the point at which our income from these various assets that we've been building over time is able to comfortably cover our much lower monthly expense. And so that was really, um, for us, the definition that we went, that we went with.
1: Clearly, we're talking about financial independence, and we're talking about some of the different definitions, right? So you can talk about the 4% safe withdrawal rate. It's having a certain net worth in investable assets that will then support you. The other way, as you guys were talking about, is having income, whether passive or semi-active, that pretty much covers your monthly needs. Another way of, of defining financial independence In your platform, The Humble Penny, you guys often use the terms financial joy and money joy, and I want to talk about the difference between what that is and then this idea of the numbers. So let's talk about what that is. What is financial joy or money joy?
0: Okay, so financial joy is uh, a term that we came up with. I actually came up with it. On a journey when I was going to pick up our electric car, (laughs) and um, I was reading a book called "Designing Your Life." Uh, It's a book written by, I believe, a professor from, I think, from Stanford University. And I was reading this book, and that book really spoke to me uh, because it got me to really think about what I, how I wanted life to to feel like or, or to be like whenever I thought about money. You know, that I want to think of money from a place of stress and worry, or that I want to think about money from another perspective where, you know, I remove that that expectation of anxiety whenever I, I I thought about money. And so over time, we've come to really become clearer on what this term means, this phrase financial joy. And here, here's our our view on it. So look at it as two words that bring together two aspects of what we do. Mm. The financial element is about the money journey we're taking people on. So it's about the journey of, because everybody's on a money journey, it's about this journey of ta- helping people take control of their finances, grow their money, and ultimately work towards becoming financially independent. So that's the financial piece. That's the journey we're taking people on. However, the joy piece brings something entirely different because that piece is about prioritizing fun, well being, and an element of purpose on that journey. Because oftentimes when you think about financial independence, it's very easy to become obsessed with, yay, I'm trying to hit my number and I'm trying to go on this journey. And God, I wonder what life would be like once I get there one day. When in actual fact, really and truly, the journey is what matters. You know, when you get to the number one day, you might end up being depressed actually, because, you know, there isn't really like... It's about what you're experiencing and the life you're building and creating on that journey. And the more we've been on this journey ourselves, particularly as a couple and as a couple with children, the more we've seen there to be a greater need for prioritizing well-being and prioritizing uh, fun, you know, and prioritizing and really bringing in a, a sense of purpose into the journey. Because money isn't just about, you know, accumulation, I've like, got it, and yay, life's great. It's about, like, what could, what does this financial independence journey enable? You know, financial independence then becomes almost like a platform for much more in life. You know, it it almost opens up almost a different dimension to what your life will become about. So, so financial joy is really bringing together those core elements uh, to make the journey much more rounded and uh, meaningful.
1: Mary, Ken talks about purpose. He talks about meaning. I want to quote from pretty much the first thing you see when you go to the humble penny, it says, create financial joy, take control of your finances, become debt-free, multiply your income, travel five times per year, and give generously achieve financial independence. And I was looking at two of these five or six things and two slightly fit a little bit less. Specifically, you talk about traveling five times a year and giving generously. (laughs) Tell (laughs) tell me about that. that I mean, (laughs) is that kind of where the joy comes in?
2: Yeah, so that's quite personal to us. Um, We absolutely love traveling. It's always a highlight for us and we're fortunate to have um, traveled over 50 um, cities, many countries as a couple and with our children. And we've made many beautiful memories doing so. Um, it's just what brings us joy. And like I said, that's personal to us. Um, a bit of a background history to that. Ken was not able to travel for around a decade uh, due to his immigration status. Um, and I met him, round about when I met him, he had just recently been given that go ahead to travel. And so we've literally not looked back since when when, Ken's making up for lost time (laughs) um but you know so, so that's why traveling is one of the things that's important to us but for other people it could be something different you know that's just one of the things for us it's also spending time with family with our children um and having that flexibility and not worrying about you know time having that time on our hands to do things that are meaningful to us
1: yeah and I want to define some other terms we've talked about financial joy Also on your website, as you're describing what you do with people who are getting coaching and are coming to learn, you say, as time passes, we'll help you move on from just embracing financial independence as a fearless dreamer to actually taking radical action to become a dream maker. Tell me about being a dream maker.
0: Okay. So the way we look at the people who we speak to, our audience, we initially began life defining who what that person looked like and we came up with this concept of a fearless dreamer because i started to notice that the people who were re- our message was resonating with were trying to break away from uh, uh a, t- a stage of life that they were living in some of them might have been living paycheck to paycheck some of them might have been just struggling to get by financially yeah so the fearless dreamer is that person who you know has come across our content and says you know what i actually am starting to experience a change in my mindset and i'm starting to really believe that i could create a different life for myself and i'm and every day i'm fearing less hence the fearless piece i'm fearing less and a mindset shift is starting to happen however there was something else we noticed when we created our sister platform called Financial Joy Academy. And the thing we noticed was that there's a different person who also follows what we do. And that a different person is a person who said, I've had enough of just watching their videos or reading their blog posts, you know, and stuff like that. I now want to take radical action to create a very different life. So the dream maker is that person who's got to a stage of their life where they've had enough. It's almost as though they've hit a wall or they've reached their point of no return. And that point of no return could be, I got sacked in my job. I got made redundant. I've had a divorce. I like stuff just happened. Like some, some really life-changing events have happened to so the dream maker, or oh, I'm getting too old. I'm. My, i'm 50 and i want to retire at 55 i have very little time so the dream Maker is at that point where they've gone beyond just a mindset shift but they're now really taking the practical steps whether it's working with us or working with other people but they're taking the steps to really create a different life for themselves so that's that's where the idea of the dream maker came came up from
2: Sorry, I just forgot to add, um, to the previous point about, you know, traveling and giving meaning so much to us. Um, the point about giving, the reason why it's important to us, um, is because we see what we do as an act of service. Um, and we all have gifts and we all have talents and, but they're not just for us. They're for mm. the world and the world needs our gifts. So whether you're giving of your money or your resources or your time or your expertise, you know, these talents are helping to serve other people and you're giving value to other people.
1: Kenneth, I listened to you both talk about the coaching you're doing and how you're interacting with the people who are coming to the Humble Penny, I'm realizing that the finances is really the base, right? Because after you start working on those tactics, figuring out the finances, It seems like you're moving more to mindset and then finally to action. Is this what you thought it was going to be when you started The Humble Penny?
0: No, I didn't know what I thought The Humble Penny was going to become. I just started it as a blog because I saw the Americans doing it. (laughs) and I thought, oh, this actually seems like a lot of something really fun. And I, I was working as a in finance, as a, as a as a CFO, as I mentioned, as a chief financial officer. But I wanted something that I could do on the side that gave me a sense of purpose. And so the blog really began life as just a website. I just bought the domain after Mary and I did a brainstorm. We we're like, yay, we're starting something. What will it look like? We don't know. But let's just start writing. Let's try and do what the Americans say. Be consistent and all this stuff. Let's actually try it and see what would happen. And so there was never really that sense of where could this go one day? I just wanted to start a conversation, to start a dialogue. But over time, as time progressed and stuff, given my nature, I, I'm born into an entrepreneurial family and I've worked in entrepreneurial businesses. It was just natural for me to go, well, actually, like how? Imagine if this could become something much bigger because we started to notice that a lot of people particularly people from our background and you know cultural background where like we were becoming a bit of a voice for these people people would say to us wow like I'm so happy you're talking about money for the black community for example in the UK I'm so happy you are speaking for the African community or the immigrant community you know so so many people were starting to you know, resonate with what we were doing. Or even people of faith, you know, Mary and I are people of faith, as Mary mentioned. It was just interesting to start to see how, like, different groups of people, not necessarily black people, people from different spaces were able to connect with our message and 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 the positivity of our mm, message.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think for me, uh, I always knew that we would have some sort of platform, even from the very beginning of our relationship and our marriage. Didn't really know what capacity or in what form. But as the humble penny um, started to progress, I realised that, ah, oh, this is it. You know, the favour um, that we've been given and all of the... The, the positive feedback at such an early stage of the humble penny, um, I, th- I guess it just reinforced that, you know, that vision from before of knowing we were going to do something on a big scale, but not knowing exactly what, you know, this began to kind of materialise that, like, wow, this is that thing. This is what it is.
1: We are talking to Ken and Mary Okorafor. They are the founders of the Humble Penny platform that helps people learn to take control of their finances and develop healthy money habits. And we are talking about financial joy. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. You know what? Yo, everybody, this has been a big week for Earn & Invest. First of all, this is Thanksgiving week, so happy Thanksgiving. Also, this is coming up on the four-year anniversary of Earn & Invest. Paul Thompson and I started four years ago. It was called What's Up Next at that point Now we've done almost 375 episodes. And not only that, but we're coming up on 2 million total downloads. So by the end of 2022, we will surpass 2 million. It took three years to get to the first million. We've now doubled that in the last year. And it is all thanks to you, the listeners and the community of the Earn & Invest podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you, And I'll put money where my mouth is. Not only am I going to thank you on this episode, but I'd also like to give away five signed copies of my book, Taking Stock. That's right, five copies, but this is going to be a little bit different. I want them to be available for you to give for the holiday season. So here's what I want. The minute you hear this episode, go ahead and contact me. I'm not going to tell you how. You can figure out how to do that. Tell me you're interested in one of the five signed copies. The first five people will get a copy, and you can give me the name and address of someone you want to give Taking Stock as a gift to for this holiday season, and I will send it out. The only caveat is you have to show me proof that you've either bought and taken stock yourself, or you've left an Amazon review. So... If you contact me and you're one of the first five people and you show me evidence that you've bought Taking Stock yourself or have left an Amazon review, I will go ahead and then send out a copy of this to whoever you want for the holiday season. I'll probably send them in mid-December. It's a perfect chance to take care of a holiday gift for one of your friends or family members, a signed copy of Taking Stock. Thank you again for being part of this community. I can't wait for the next four years and hopefully millions and millions more downloads. Happy Thanksgiving. And now let's get back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Mary and Ken Akorafor. They transformed their lives, the young couple who started out as immigrants with little money to financially independent and mortgage free by the age of 34. Mary, Before the break, Ken was talking about the different kinds of people who have now come to your platform and become part of your community. Let's talk about that community a little bit. How would you define your community? What kind of people are part of it?
2: Okay, so for the Humble Penny community, being the people who read our blog and um, watch our videos on our YouTube channel, they are aged between uh late 18 to 45 that's the majority of our readers especially sorry 25 to 45 age them and also it's half men half women um that consume our content it's really half half i'd say 80 percent are based in the uk we have some people based in the us and the rest um elsewhere and within our paid platform um financial joy academy we've noticed that a lot of women it's mainly women who are um, in our community um, but again it's the same age group in terms of wealth a lot of them are on different stages of their um, financial independence journey so some people are uh we have a few people who are actually financially independent and they just want to be part of the movement. They want yes. to be part of the community and they want to be around like-minded people. But for the majority of people in our both communities, they are a mixture of working professionals who want to also, um, create a side income. Um, we have some entrepreneurs also. So it's really, it's really a nice mix, actually.
0: Yeah. And if I had to add to that, I'd say that one noticeable difference is that a lot of our community, our people would describe as being in the pre-family stages of life and in the uh just post-family stages of life. So a lot of them have goals such as I want to Uh, buy my own home one day you know uh, I want to start a family one day and then for the people who are in that post family stages of life you know kind of post they've had children their goal then becomes you know what um, and particularly post COVID there's a big noticeable difference post COVID their goal is I want to create a different lifestyle for myself people are much more thinking about lifestyle And, you know, hence our message around financial independence is very, very relatable uh, for those people.
1: Mary, did you feel like COVID changed the tenor and relationship with the community members? I mean, did people start coming to you needing and wanting different things?
2: Absolutely. So we actually we started um, Financial Joy Academy in all, sorry, February 2020. So it was lo- just a month before the whole lockdown, which was an interesting time um, to start it. We had a lot of people on our email list, and they knew that we were going to launch the um, Financial Joy Academy. So they were waiting and they were ready, which was great, because when we launched, we had about 100 people. And You know, during lockdown, we obviously had a lot of people who were fearful. Um, They were quite uncertain. Some people were even not sure whether to um, carry on with the Financial Joy Academy because they wanted to focus on maybe you know their savings rate but they a lot of them soon realized that this is a perfect opportunity to be around like-minded people who who are thinking about their long-term goals as opposed to their short-term goals so you know we there was like this big kind of reset and you know for some people some urgency because they realized that their jobs which they thought gave them security was not actually given them that security because people were being laid off um, left, right and center. And they realized that they had to now really be in the driving seat of their finances, have um, options and also, you know, create those different streams of income so that they were not just relying on that one source of income that they always had done.
1: Can obviously people come to your platform because they're looking to grow and learn How do they get tripped up? What is usually getting in their way that once they come to your platform, like, ah, this is the problem? What stops people kind of basically when they're newbies to this community?
0: I'd say the taking control of your finances piece is one of the biggest elements. A lot of people feel massively out of control. And a lot of the reason for why people feel out of control is because of the access to easy credit, for example and the behaviours around around that so a lot of people are essentially um cultivating not the best money habits shall i say uh, and then there needs to be a, a change in the money habits they've got now that is you know we see manifest in the financial lives that they're living compared to the money habits they need to adopt in order to create a, a completely different financial life. So that initial piece of taking some control of their finances, even going as far as, you know, going back to basics of budgeting and budgeting consistently and things like that. And even to the point where, you know, you're having to look at behaviors around, you know, uh, the ostrich um, you know, putting your head in the sand, you know, you know, h- hiding away from your debts and kind of running away from the reality of your life, you know, all those aspects are important. Um, but one other thing I noticed when it comes to that taking control piece is the, Im- the need for accountability, uh, and need for, um, uh, almost emotional support from a community perspective. Because oftentimes, you know, the money journey is a very, Uh, almost isolated journey a lot of people go on this journey by themselves or maybe at most with their partner so but what we started to notice is that there is a need for um, you know uh, almost like um, cohort-based learning in a way you know such that people felt that they could see evidence of success around themselves Mm. of how other people have been able to achieve certain things like Wow, you've got out of debt. How were you able to do it? Wow, you now budget consistently. What habits did you change? How did you change those habits? You know, so that element uh, plays um, plays an important role uh, for the people who are really beginning that journey from the start.
1: Mary, one thing I've noticed is that both you and Ken, and it's very clear from the Humble Penny, you're both very optimistic people. Are you finding that same optimism in people as they become part of your platform or enter coaching?
2: It is, as in people within our community? Yeah. I think so, yes. And I guess it's because we just, I guess, attract those type mm-hmm. of people. And so it's really amazing to see it they also encourage other people and there's this real kind of buzz and mm-hmm. um I don't know what the word is but they are definitely very optimistic we've seen and because we are in everything we do we say that there's always hope and um, whenever you hear noise about you know recessions you know interest rate hikes and all of that you know there is always still opportunity for you to take control of your finances not just take control but grow and you know actually make money in this time and so yes definitely a lot of optimism with, with us and with people in our community
0: and to add to that i think it's important to um for us a big part of our message is the importance, importance of taking faith walks so yes. it's important to believe that you can achieve certain outcomes in your life but the, that belief alone is not enough there's a there's a need to take action you know but take action, being able to control what you can in the midst of what's going on. So, you know, at the moment, whilst doing this, there are talks of recessions and global recessions and, you know, and things like that, which can all seem very doom and gloom and very negative. But it's definitely room for positivity in this space. You know, what can we control? You know, what practical things can we start to do? Um, how can we look back at history and look at what can we learn from what's happened? Say from the global financial crisis. How did we navigate that when that happened and that sort of stuff and finding the gems from that and really projecting that positivity? to our audience and making them realize that whilst we must remain pragmatic and practical mm-hmm. you know and whilst yeah. the future uh remains uh you know uncertain in many ways um you know worrying is not really the solution worrying never really gives you the answer it's about you know finding uh some meaning and positivity in in the state in the state that we find ourselves in
1: mary we're talking hope and faith and with my other guess, I would ask, is financial independence as achievable as ever? But I'll modify that for you and say, is financial joy as achievable as ever, especially in these times where people are talking about recession and fears and what's going to happen to the global economy? Is this still something that is very achievable in most of our lives?
2: Absolutely. Um, we feel that it is absolutely achievable. And it, regardless of I guess, whether you're a high income earner um, or if you're single, obviously those things will help. But we are big on talking about um, lifestyle simplification, which is something that we did a lot and it's helped us massively. And I think everybody can really have those long-term goals of financial independence. And when you have those goals, you can then tweak your day-to-day life in order to achieve that desired goal. But it it requires a lot of intentionality. Um, And like Ken said, being very practical and not just having these hopes and desires, but actually um, having some practical goals that you're working towards. We think that it's absolutely achievable. You have to, um, I guess, work on reducing your you're in reducing your outgoings by um, lifestyle simplification, and also find ways of increasing your income. It isn't easy, it is hard, and it requires a lot of discipline. Um, but with these things, it's for a season, it's not going to be all, all the time. For example, when you're starting a new business, you're putting in hours, like hours every day, and working, working long nights. But you know when you start to then progress again compounding works in business and the hours that you invest into your business over time you then reap you then reap those rewards so it is possible but it does require work
0: and to just to chip into that i'd say speaking more directly to financial joy as a as an idea as a destination as a as a choice i'd say that one thing that's definitely uh, reachable even today for most people is you know the degree to which they um, choose to prioritize you know uh, their well-being you know at the moment and the degree to which they choose to prioritize an element of fun and that fun doesn't have to be expensive you know it's fun that can that's accessible uh, it's about really how we choose to use our time whilst we're still pursuing our financial goals and the degree to which we really. You know, ask deeper questions around purpose and what do we want out of our lives, and what role does money play in kind of creating that purpose that we want, you know, for our lives. So I think when you bring those elements of the financial piece, which is you know hard hard numbers and you know uh, you know budgeting and networks and all those things, and you bring in that accessible element of the well being, I think it makes this. Idea of financial joy even more accessible to 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 a lot more people.
2: Yes, absolutely, and just to add to that point, um, that can mentioned is that we always look at the holistic approach when it comes to financial independence so yes you're you're focusing on your finances but you're also focusing on your your physical health you know your spiritual health and 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 you're nurturing your soul as you're working towards financial independence because just focusing on that goal alone and neglecting all those other areas can be detrimental so we are always you know you know encourage people to use that holistic approach of making sure that you're investing in all those areas of your life Ken, you mentioned earlier
1: that 80% of your audience
0: is UK-based.
1: Is the message any different for the rest of the world? I mean, does it look different in the US or in other countries?
0: I don't think it's different. Uh, Interestingly, inside of our sister brand, Financial Joy Academy, we have people from Kuwait, Belgium, uh, the US, and places like that. Um, And the reason why I believe we attract those people is because – of the the softer messaging on optimism and positivity and those core elements of our i guess of who we are um as individuals uh that i believe is relatable and our, our focus on uh things like the importance of of faith and things like that i think those almost intangible elements, um, in addition to core messaging and core teaching uh, and core kind of, you know, strategies and tactics all together can be uh, taken by somebody, whether you're in the US or Canada Australia or somewhere in, in, in Nigeria or Ghana, those ideas can be taken and implemented. There'll be obviously subtle differences in, you know, terminology, whether you're a Roth IRA, or you're talking about an ISA in the UK, there'll be those differences. And there'll be differences in tax systems, because naturally, there are when you talk about money. Um, but or broadly speaking, the ideas and the concepts are very relatable and can be used by anybody um, across the pond.
1: Well, Mary, we talked about at the beginning of the show that the goal for the Humble Penny was to help 10,000 families reach financial independence. I feel optimistic you are going to get there probably faster than you thought. What are some of the other big goals? What's next after after working with those 10,000 families?
2: Oh, very good question. So uh, one thing that we're quite keen on doing is writing a book. And so we're in the very early stages of doing that, um, which is going to be amazing because it will then hopefully increase our reach. Um, and also we are thinking of the humble children and also the humble kitchen. So we have a lot of mini kind of passion projects that we would like to focus on on doing. And, you know, I know you'd want to add to that. So
0: Yeah, I think a big part of when we did, we had this idea of, what do we see? What's the vision we see ten years ahead of us? And um, when we were coming up with trying to help ten thousand people, one of those visions was: I see a world where we create a, a charity arm to the Humble Penny, um, with a goal of partnering with other organisations who have um, who have established processes and systems and established um, you know almost organisations and brands, but their remit is charitable work. You know, so for example. There's, uh, Christians Against Poverty in the UK. There's all these other charities that we believe. I actually see a future where w- the humble penny would be a partner to those organizations. And a lot of them kind of, um, uh, it'll have its own remit, you know, uh, to get, get out there and do works in the community. In addition, obviously enhance the work that we're doing, but purely from a charitable perspective, perhaps trying to help to speak to the next generation, like our children's generation uh, and things like that. Um, but you also mentioned, um, you know, uh, although you touched on this a little bit, we want to spend more time, uh, getting, uh, I think closer to our audience as well. And I see a future of doing future retreats, you know, with people in our community. Like we love traveling. It'd be amazing to actually do more of that kind of stuff with, uh, the people who follow what we do and the people who are in our community and to get to know their families more, get to know their children and their partners. ASEA is doing a lot more of that kind of work in the future.
2: Absolutely. Um, our community do ask us a lot about, you know, doing retreats, which we do for our sister brand, but within within London. Um, so like Ken said, there is definitely that vision to do it abroad in a bigger way. Mm. And also just doing road shows, getting really close to our community. We love when we meet them. They come when we whenever we do talks. Um At places and our community come to speak to us and they tell us how much our work has impacted them and they tell us how they're doing, what their fears are. It's just so great to have that um, close proximity um, to our community and just really hear from them what their struggles are because it better informs what we do.
0: Yeah and more lately we've been approached by TV production companies who have been interested in what we're doing and our message and they've been some of the the prime TV companies in the UK and they've been speaking. In fact, Mary and I filmed a TV pilot, um, a few months ago and it's being considered by, uh, one of the top five TV channels in the UK. And we spoke to another one today. So I, I see a future, God willing, you know, where we, our message is projected onto a different platform you know like the tv i guess the tv platform maybe um but as a couple you know it's very important that the unity that we bring in our relationship in and in our you know in our message is um we hope will inspire more people you know who from diverse backgrounds and you know diverse journeys in their finances but the core goal of helping people really become debt free To, you know, to be free from this bondage of like, you know, generational, uh, like just living uh, this thing where, you know, generationally people just feel this generational poverty. um, But breaking away from that and really changing the game, just as we are trying to do with our family and with our, you know, the people around us. We hope that our message gets out to more people to be able to do the same as well.
1: Well, Ken and Mary, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. It's so clear in talking to you what financial joy means because I can hear it in your voices. It's this idea that we can move past the financial tactics, get to mindset and eventually to action. And clearly with you, that action has led to community, which I think enriches all of our lives I wanted to end this show the way, and every show, by asking you specifically what is up next in your life, and more importantly, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Mary, let's start with you. What is up next in the near future?
2: Oh, so in the near future, um, like Ken pointed out, we're hoping for a TV show coming next year, hopefully, God willing, um, and also the, the workings of a book.
1: And Ken, what is the best way for people to reach out to you
0: if they have questions? So you can head over to our website over at thehumblepenny.com, where we also have our blog, uh, but you can follow us on our various social media platforms, as well as our YouTube channel, all by the same name, at The Humble So whether it's on Instagram or on YouTube and places like that.
1: This has been the earn and invest podcast. And by having myself, doc G I wanted to thank Mary and Ken Akorafor. That's a wrap. Awesome. That was a lot of fun. Tell me what I didn't ask. What did I miss? Oh, uh, you asked a really great question. I think you
0: asked fantastic. This is really actually a, a lot question. of fun. Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> so
1: that's as I told you before, that's my goal. Like yeah. I know that if if my goal is that when I'm done interviewing someone, they walk away and go, wow, that was cool. Like, yeah, so I was,
0: no, This is this is a lot of fun.
2: It was really cool. we actually felt at home yeah. with you, yeah. you know,
0: because normally podcasts are a bit, mm. you know, awkward. <laughs> But this is actually a lot of fun yeah.
1: yeah i mean it's a pleasure talking to you about this stuff because i can yeah. i can hear the passion in your voice this is not something pedestrian to you this is something you care deeply yeah. about and it's it's very clear like
0: yeah.
1: it comes thank across
0: you.
2: thank, thank you. you so much we no that means that, that
0: means a lot That means a lot jordan yeah. because we you know it, it's taken a while to believe that We are voices worth listening to. Mm. You know, it's Mm. taking a while to get there, you know. So uh it means a lot to get the validation, to hear from people like yourselves. You know, it it means so much. I can't I literally every day I'm thankful because it means it means a lot. So, and every day is literally a step of faith because we don't really know what's coming tomorrow. It's like, okay. We're just hopeful that, you know, the message keeps getting out there and more and more people are, uh, I guess, are helped practically and inspired by what we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah, it means a lot.
1: And more importantly, you have to get on TV so I can show my kids and be like, those are my friends. <laughs> I know that. Yeah,
0: this is it. We're, we're very hopeful, you know. You know, yeah. this could happen. You know, it could really happen. So You care about your money. Of course you do so, why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch.